Good morning, family. I have an odd question for you today. How would you describe Jesus? What words would you use? Let me ask it this way. If you lived 2,000 years ago and knew Jesus in the flesh and saw him face to face, if you were his disciple or even one of his family members, how would you think you would have described him? I'm sure we'd all use the same words, wouldn't we? Words like loving, kind, wise, thoughtful, insightful, challenging, merciful, forgiving, peaceful. Can you think of any others? Or would you use words like confusing or misleading? How about suspicious? I'm sure there are some people who would. Well, this morning I'd like us to look at Mark chapter 3. In the brief story we're about to read, Jesus was doing Jesus sorts of things. He was preaching and teaching, healing diseases and casting out demons. That's when his family showed up. And that's when we learn a little something about how his family members thought of him. Let me show you what I mean. Let's read Mark chapter 3, verses 20 through 35. Hear the word of the Lord. Jesus entered a house. A crowd gathered again so that it was impossible for him and his followers even to eat. When his family heard what was happening, they came to take control of him. They were saying, he's out of his mind. The legal experts came down from Jerusalem. Over and over they charged, he's possessed by Beelzebul. He throws out demons with the authority of the ruler of demons. When Jesus called them together, he spoke to them in a parable. How can Satan throw Satan out? A kingdom involved in civil war will collapse, and a house torn apart by divisions will collapse. If Satan rebels against himself and is divided, then he can't endure. He's done for. No one gets into the house of a strong person and steals anything without first tying up the strong person. Only then can the house be burglarized. I assure you that human beings will be forgiven for everything, for all sins and insults of every kind. But whoever insults the Holy Spirit will never be forgiven. That person is guilty of a sin with consequences that last forever. He said this because the legal experts were saying he's possessed by an evil spirit. He replied, who is my mother? Who are my brothers? Looking around at those seated around him in a circle, he said, look. Here are my mother and my brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother, sister, and mother. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Did you catch what Mark wrote? When Jesus' family heard what was happening, they came to take control of him. They were saying, he's out of his mind. Now, when I'm preparing a sermon and I read a verse of scripture, I generally like to read it in several different translations. I've got tons of Bibles, so there's no shortage of options. So when I read that Jesus' family thought he was out of his mind, I said to myself, I need to find out how other people have interpreted that phrase. Are you with me? The King James Version of the Bible tells us that Jesus' family thought he is beside himself. And that's the most popular translation. 
Another translation, actually a paraphrase, records it this way. He must be mad. I found a version called the Passion Translation that uses the phrase, he's insane. And the Orthodox Jewish translation uses the Hebrew word meshuga, meaning crazy or idiotic. A fifth Bible translation tells us that when Jesus' family heard what he was doing, they thought he was crazy and went to get him under control. Can you imagine anyone thinking that they should or could get Jesus under control? But I like the translation that tells us that Jesus' family thought that he had lost his senses. You get the picture, right? People thought that Jesus was absurd. And I think I understand why his family and friends thought he was a little mad. I mean, do you remember the things that he said? Love your enemies. Pray for those who persecute you. The greatest will be the servant. The first will be the last. Do not repay evil for evil. Instead, repay with a blessing. Forgive me, but that sounds nuts. So let's not be too quick to judge Jesus' mother and family. They had good reason to be concerned, didn't they? Jesus looked at the world differently. What the world considers bogus, Jesus considers blessed. Blessed are the poor in spirit. Blessed are the merciful. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst after righteousness. Blessed are the peacemakers. Blessed are you when you are persecuted just for trying to love and do what is good. Jesus was indeed off the wall. He prayed while people killed him, but he didn't pray for God to take away his pain and suffering. He prayed that God would forgive the very people who murdered him. Now that's crazy. So here's my question for you today. Are you absurd enough to love like Jesus? Are you nuts enough to live like Jesus? Are you crazy enough to give like Jesus and to forgive like Jesus? To do justice and to love mercy and to walk humbly with God like Jesus? We need some Christians who are just as out of their minds as Jesus was. Crazy enough to love without condition. Daring enough to challenge the things that are wrong and hurtful. Beside themselves enough to embrace those who are discarded and forgotten. Foolish enough to dedicate themselves to making the world a little more like God intends for it to be. Isn't this what the Apostle Paul was getting at when he told the Corinthians that the message of the cross is foolishness to those who are being destroyed, but it is the power of God for those of us who are being saved? Then he writes, It is written in Scripture, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise, and I will reject the intelligence of the intelligent. Where are the wise? Where are the legal experts? Where are today's debaters? Hasn't God made the wisdom of the world foolish? Now, for those of us who desire to follow Jesus, those who want to be his disciples, those who want to live like Jesus, we are called to such foolishness and absurdity, aren't we? That really should come as no surprise to us. Why? Because the Bible is full of such people. Let's start with a fellow named Noah. Who in their right mind builds a supersized boat in the middle of a desert, right? 
Think about Abraham. I'm sure his family thought he had lost his marbles. He packed up everything and left behind his whole life to follow a God he could not see, to search for a land that the Bible says was not on any map. That's just a little bit absurd, right? What about David? A little runt of a shepherd boy dared to go toe-to-toe with a giant named Goliath. And he didn't even wear any armor. No sane person goes into battle like that. Let's not forget Mary. She risked public scorn and ridicule to be an unwed mother in order to give birth to the Savior of the world. And Joseph risked his job and reputation by marrying her and raising the baby as his own. Then there are the disciples who left their jobs as fishermen and tax collectors to wander all over the countryside following a suspicious rabbi who claimed to be the Son of God. What about Mary Magdalene? Her character, for some reason, is often called into question. And the Apostle Paul, who gave up a cushy religious position to be an evangelist for the new outlawed sect called Christians. What about the early first century followers of Jesus who shared all that they had and even sold their possessions to provide food and housing for the poor and oppressed? My point is this. There's no shortage of examples of people who were shall we say, unconventional, and risked everything to obey God and follow Jesus. You see, the whole nature of the realm of God is so different from the ways of this world that it appears to be upside down, inside out, and backwards, doesn't it? The first will be last, and the last will be first. The weakest will be the strongest. The poor are rich, and the rich are poor. It's craziness, I tell you. It's madness and wholly and completely unreasonable. I think it was George Bernard Shaw who once said, All progress depends on the unreasonable man. Is that true? I think it is because progress requires people who are willing to look at the world differently. We need Jesus followers who operate differently, who dare to dream differently. That's the way things work. And the church is really no different. Progress requires people who hold to a different and often contrary set of values. People who are willing to be thought of as out of step or even out of their mind. It seems as if all the saints down through the ages were, like Jesus, thought of as a bit mad, a little bit different or half a bubble off, as my grandfather used to say. Some might say they were crazy, or to borrow Paul's word, foolish. In fact, in the book of Hebrews, there's a long list of faith heroes who people considered to be a bit off or out of touch. They are described as people who admitted that they were foreigners and strangers on earth. More than that, they longed for a better country, a heavenly one, and the result is that God is not ashamed to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. You see, the church has always been home to people who weren't afraid to be called absurd or out of their minds for following Jesus. The other day, someone shared these words with me. They were written by a man named Rob Siltanen, and I think they're relevant for today. Here's to the crazy ones, the misfits, the rebels, the troublemakers. 
the round pegs in the square holes, the ones who see things differently. They're not fond of rules and they have no respect for the status quo. You can quote them, disagree with them, glorify or vilify them. About the only thing you can't do is ignore them because they change things. They push the human race forward. While some may see them as the crazy ones, we see genius because the people who are crazy enough to think they can change the world are the ones who do. Don't you think that's a perfect description of Jesus in Mark chapter 3? His own family thought that he was a square peg in a round hole. So here's my point. If you're serious about following Jesus, people just might think the same about you, that you've lost your mind, that you're a little nuts. You know, the truth is we need some outside-the-box Jesus followers, right? We need people who will, like Jesus, challenge the status quo. Listen, playing it safe isn't accomplishing anything productive, is it? Being more concerned about our reputations has sucked all the life and power out of God's people. Are you brave enough to dream about a world that is dominated by love and forgiveness? Are you willing to risk everything to love the way Jesus loved? Are you crazy enough to believe that God loves each and every one of us no matter what? Are you absurd enough to let God love people, even the most unlovable, through you? Are you willing to be a little mad in order to call the powers that be to lay down their swords? Will you dare to be insane enough to help Jesus bring about his realm of peace? Because that's what it's going to take. That's what it's always taken. And that's what we mean when we pray for things to be on earth as it is in heaven, isn't it? Let's pray. Good and gentle God, forgive us for being more concerned about protecting our reputations than challenging the status quo. Forgive us for taking the easy, sensible way when we should have been doing the hard work of love and reconciliation. Forgive us for not following your lead and for not being your hands and feet in this world. Help us to be instruments of your peace. Help us to be agents of change. Help us to be crazy about and crazy for you. Help us to love with reckless abandon. Help us to care without counting the cost. Fill us with your spirit and make us more and more and more like Jesus. As the pandemic continues, we pray for those afflicted and affected by COVID-19. Help us to bring your love and your healing to those who desperately need it. Help us to comfort and care for those who are the last, the least, the lost, and the left out. And now using words debts and debtors, let us pray with boldness the prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done, on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts, as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil, for thine is the kingdom, and the power, and the glory forever. Amen. Well, thanks for joining me today. Now, your job this week is to love at least three people and make sure at least one of them doesn't deserve it because everyone needs love and everyone needs to know that God loves them 
no matter what. Please don't let the troubles and trials of life rob you of your joy. With Jesus, we always, always, always have hope. Now receive these words of benediction today. The Lord bless you and protect you. The Lord make his face shine on you and be gracious to you. The Lord lift up his face to you and grant you his peace. Amen. Amen.